great. Uh, hello to everybody out there. Uh, this is Amateur Radio Roundtable. And I'm not hearing myself. I suppose audio. Let me get an audio check real good. Glenn, you're hearing me, right? Yeah, okay. Everybody's hearing me. Okay. Something seems strange tonight. <laughs> hey, welcome. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. I'm, I'm Tom, W5KUB. And uh, this is a show about ham radio, amateur radio, shortwave listening, uh, you name it. Uh, we're going to talk about it here. We want to welcome uh, all you people out there that might be listening on International Shortwave Station, WBCQ, on 7490 kilohertz. If you're listening to us on shortwave, you're listening on Thursday because our <laughs> show is on Thursday between uh, 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday on 7490. Uh, but our show is actually, our live show is actually Tuesday nights from 8 till about 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Now, if you're out there uh, listening on shortwave, uh, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us where you are, how you're hearing the station. Again, we're relatively low in power on shortwave out of Monticello, Maine, but uh, running about 50,000 watts. But uh, that, you know, it, it gets out and uh, we do have uh, people that, that follow us uh, up there. So send us an email to tom at w5kub.com, tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, we would like for you to uh, hit the subscribe button. Let me see if I can help you out there. I'm, a, I'm, I'm showing you where the subscribe button is. It's right there, guys. Uh, I'm helping you. I can't push it for you, but hey, push that subscribe button. Push the notify button for the notify bell and the like button. We'd really appreciate that. And that helps us to uh, get our, uh, our our advertisement out to other YouTube people that are searching YouTube there to uh, help them find the channel here. Uh, we are, uh, as I mentioned, on uh, WBCQ. Let's see, I got a, I got a picture here somewhere. There we go, here's WBCQ. This probably looks just about like that up here right now. Got snow on the ground and, uh, you know, deep. But uh, there's one of their new antennas up there, one of the largest shortwave antennas in North America, actually, and one of very few in the whole world. And that's the feed line you're looking at right there that goes out to it. So, uh, hey, uh, listen to us on shortwave. Uh, if you l want to listen to us on uh, podcast, just audio podcast, we've got audio podcast out there. Uh, anywhere from uh, iNet Radio to Google Play, iTunes, everybody carries us. So uh, uh, please, uh, uh, please check that out. Uh, you may be driving to work and want to listen to the show. There it is, right there, folks. Hey, and I'd like to hear from you again. I, I don't hear much from the people that do the the uh, the, the audio podcast here. So, guys, uh, make me smile here if you listen to our audio podcast through one of the podcast carriers here. Shoot me an email again. It's just Tom at w5kub.com. Tom at w5kub.com. Would really really appreciate you doing that. Um, so let's see. Um, boy, I've got several announcements to make. We'll get to them in just a few minutes here. I um, think I missed something. We've got a special person with us tonight that's going to be joining us. We'll talk more about that when I say joining us. Hopefully, joining us for a long time here and bringing a lot of uh, neat stuff to us. So uh, we'll, we'll be discussing that uh, in a few minutes. 
And uh, let's jump over to uh, let's jump over to Glenn. Hey, Glenn, how you doing, Glenn? Come on in here. Oh man, I'm doing pretty good. You know, enjoying the home life here, and yeah. uh, starting to get things cranked up. Um, I've been working outside while the weather's still been decent enough, but it's fixing to close us out for the year. And once that happens, I stay indoors, the lab fires up, and let's just say that both workspaces are cleared off and ready to rock. All right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm happy for you. You're going to enjoy retirement there. As soon as you can just, man, just as soon as you can 100% make it, you're still kind of hanging on there. What do you mean? You, you, you just hanging. You, I don't think you're really committed to just getting, getting, you know, completely quitting work, man. Mm, no, not really, but heading that way pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. But right. uh, like I say, right now I'm starting to focus on the next book, uh, which is going to be focusing on the Raspberry Pi Pico and Python and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so that's where I'm fixing to head starting in the spring. <clears throat> All right. Well, good. Hey, you know, before the show started, I talked to you about that music uh, across Zoom. Remember that? Yeah. Do you see what's on the screen up here? Is it, is it, uh, you're seeing it, I'm sure. Oh, it says for musicians off. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the sound for musicians is off. And I don't even know where to turn it on. I was looking for it a minute ago, but. Oh, it, that's in your audio microphone setting, I believe. Well, I think it is. Uh, let me just real quick see if I can, if I can set that. Let me go to audio. In your audio settings. Yeah. 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 I'm okay. There's, uh, there's audio. I'm in audio. And, and then uh, under your audio profile, it says original sound for musicians. Where's that? Under uh, your audio profile, audio which is settings? right below the microphone. Under settings? Yeah, under settings. Right there. Okay, there it is. And? Right below, see audio profile there, right below your microphone stuff? Uh, no, which side? Left side, right side? Right right where your mouse is yeah, now. Yeah, Go down yeah. to the next bold text. Ah, right there. Says audio profile, and then look below the third line on mine. Says original sound for musicians. I don't have a third line. See what I got? That all you got? Yeah. Just the one line? Yeah. Mine's got three. Oh wait, wait, wait. There we go. There we go. Yeah, this scrolling thing is really cool. You need to try it sometime. Yeah. Okay. So what do I need to check here? Uh, the original sound for musicians is what I've got checked. Well, it is checked. Yeah, I don't know. Um, your other one would be live performance audio that's a beta, but I don't know. Outside All right. of that. Well, I, I'll figure it out later. I'll figure it yeah. out later. That All would right. be the, the next All step. Right. All right. Sorry about that, guys. We have little technical blips that hit us all the time here. And as usual, Glenn can't help. No. It's, it's his fault. It's my fault. You know, uh, hey, yeah. you know, why do you think I live in Mississippi? You can blame me for everything uh, and I don't right. care. All right. All right. Well, hey, we've got uh, we've got uh, a guest with us tonight, and uh, actually, he's not really a guest anymore because he's joining the team here, and uh, he's going to be with us when he can. And we'll a little later in the show, we will explain what I mean by he won't be with us every every night. But uh, we're so pleased to have Jim uh, Heath with us, W6LG tonight. 
Uh, hey, uh, Jim, come in here and say hello to everybody. <clears throat> yeah, Jim, before you start, whatever he offered you as pay, I'd ask for double. Well, Jim signed a non—he signed a non-disclosure agreement. He—he he cannot you tell you, man. I—I <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything about money. <clears throat> but, well, um, I, I take I, some of that yeah. equipment behind him. But... Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, how you how you doing out there, Jim? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you're looking good tonight, Jim, and I'll take some of that equipment you got behind. Maybe we just need to swap equipment, man. <laughs> That's right. Well, the story behind some of that is, um, well, first of all, I was in a business where I could buy equipment and write it off as an expense because it was an expense, and we were manufacturing HF antennas. Uh -huh. But after that, um, it was decided by me that I shouldn't drive anymore. So my wife sold my car. And I said, okay, if you're going to sell my car, I want the money. Oh, boy. So I got the money from the sale of my car, and I paid for uh, um, 7610 and the uh, Yesu 101D. Um, both transceivers are a lot of fun, and some other stuff. So well, that's, that's, that's cool. That's how that, yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. I need to go talk to my wife and see what, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can get some new stuff. Well, <laughs> you know. I don't have room yeah. for it. My problem is, Jim, my problem is I don't have room. I've run you out have of, too I've much stuff. I've run out of room. You need a bigger yeah. house. Well, <clears throat> well, that's another story. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, hey, hey, Jim, tonight, I, I know you you got a little segment. You're going to be talking to us about some some testing that you did concerning SWR, and I think we're all looking forward to, to seeing that. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's a video I uploaded yesterday, and in 24 hours, I think it's at about 8,000 views. So it's it's been pretty popular. It's a real simple subject, but yeah. one that people, you, you need, to, uh, this is something that everybody needs to keep in mind when they put up an antenna. All right. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be back with you just a couple minutes there, and we will okay. uh, we'll jump right into that SWR uh, uh, testing that you did. Okay. Uh, so let me I'm gonna jump into just a few things here, just real quick, and give you guys an update, just kind of up front here. Uh, let me give you an update real quick on W5KUB113. We're still flying, guys, although it didn't report today, and uh, that's not unusual. Uh, it reported yesterday, and then the day before, it didn't report for like two days. But uh, we're now, I, we're somewhere over Africa right now. We're probably somewhere around the 28th or 29th lap around the world. Uh, I, I'm not sure why we're getting such few transmissions. I've also uh, heard from others that have balloons up that they're getting very few transmissions. And that doesn't seem normal for some reason. Now, if we're flying over Europe, uh, there's a lot of GPS jamming going on over Europe. I don't think there is over Africa there. So uh, I, I don't know. I think tomorrow morning uh, we'll see again where it is. I'm going to guess tomorrow it's going to be somewhere over probably uh, uh, Algeria. It could be near Egypt uh, tomorrow when it shows up. But uh, there's the pre predicted path, uh, the little dots is predicted path of where it's going to be over the next, you know, five or ten days. So, um, looks like a straight shot across Africa there. So, that's uh, one thing. Uh, another thing I just wanted to mention very quickly uh, was, let's see, where am I? There we go. 
my buddy up in uh, near Dayton. It, what's the city there? Kettering? I guess it, I guess Kettering. Yeah. He has a he's got a laser there. He's playing with. Let me show you just a quick shot of what this laser does, and I want to show you something he sent me. And I'm going to ask you guys a question in the chat room. So first of all, uh, let me let me show you what we've got going here. <laughs> let me show you. Now, this is kind of cool. I would not want to put my hand down here. This, this laser will actually cut the circle out of that board. It, it will, it's like a saw, guys. It will cut through that board. All right, so that's probably enough of that. That's probably enough of that. And I want to show you what he sent me. Uh, he sent me some, um, you know, here's a, here, he, he cut this out of, out of wood, man. That laser cut it out. Send me a cup holder right there. That's kind of cool. Let's see. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Cup holder sent that to me. A uh, little football shaped thing. I don't know what I'll do with that. Maybe, maybe I can make a name tag out of it. Name tag, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he could do that and put safety pins on the back. Let's see. This one didn't go so well. It's supposed to be a circle. I think he just sent me the scraps. I don't know why I got that, man. And uh, he's in a chat. I'm sure he's in a chat room tonight. So it's Mark, uh, K-E-8-H-I-W. Now, guys, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, Mark sent me this. He also printed him one, K-E-8-H-I-W, uh, presents the official round to it. Now, everybody stand by. Round to it. Now, I didn't know what a round to it was. I, everybody in the chat room, tell me if you know what a round to it is to say just your call letters or your name and say uh yes or or no if you don't know it i'd like to see and then we're going to talk about what round to it is what a, you what better a, hope that kathy doesn't know that you have that what a round to it is yeah okay don knows what a round. i did not i could not figure what a round to it was and uh i actually googled round to it t-u-i-t round to it and it, 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 the definition said something like, you know, I'm going to take care of everything. And, you know, at, at some point it's, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be done. You know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So, okay. It still didn't really hit me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting kind of old guys and it still didn't really hit me. I understand what the definition was, but the word T-U-I-T kind of, kind of messed me up. And then yesterday, a little bell rang, you know, up here in the brain. And I, I, I figured out what round, a round to it. This is a round to it. Getting a round to it. So, man, it took me a while to figure that one out. Gee whiz. <laughs> uh, I had to Google it. I didn't think it was that popular, but look at this, guys. Look at this. There's round to it's everywhere, man, for sale. Look at all the round to it's there. Yep. Look at that, man. I mean, it's it's uh, amazing. And of course, you know, you can look the you can look up the um, definition if you're dumb like me. But uh, anyway, okay. So, so Glenn, are you telling me you knew what this was? 
I knew exactly what that was because I've had them for years. You've had a round to it before? I've had a round to it for years. I just keep it hidden. This is my first round to it I've ever had. Yeah, I don't want people to know that I got a round to it. This is my first round. To, here's my son right there. He said it's been around for 30 years or more. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. How, how does he know what I don't know? I raised, I raised a boy, you know? <laughs> I never heard of it. Okay. We had a few people in the chat room. They said they knew what it was. So I guess that, uh, that uh, probably identifies my uh, IQ level uh, pretty quickly right there. All right. <laughs> All right, so, hey, let's talk to our guest here tonight. Yeah, let's talk to our new member. Let's don't talk to our guest. And um, let's, let's, let's just have some fun there and uh, talk. And I want to find out more about Jim and how he got started in radio and all the things he's <coughs> done with radio. So, hey, hey, Jim, uh, hey, how you doing? Come on in here, Jim, and talk with us and uh, uh before we before we talk about your SWR segment, let's just talk a little about ham radio. Uh, you got your license, I think, the same year I got mine, didn't you? Nineteen sixty-four. Yeah, long time ago. It's hard but, to believe it's been that many years. Oh, but, am I am I muted? No, no, no. But you oh, were yeah. you were a young kid at fourteen when you got yours. Yep, and yeah. uh, we took it, and you probably did too, at the FCC office, and yeah. in my case, downtown LA. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> a nasty old guy who did the CW test and uh, seemed to enjoy failing uh, people, and a uh, likewise not so friendly lady who, when you got through copying the CW part, when they stopped sending, she went around grabbing the papers. And what I wanted to do was to correct a couple of letters, and I wasn't yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's sorry, that's sickening. <clears throat> You know, I don't remember. I I remember. I I can barely remember. I guess the CWB test. You know, and and or the FCC. And I seems like to me I had a a man and a woman also. But we I had I was 16 years old, and there were a lot of old timers in there getting their license. And oh boy, and they were all complaining. They were all complaining that code was unintelligible. Yeah. And they were throwing a fit. And they were all arguing with them. And here I am, 16 years old. I didn't know to argue or anything. I just copied it, you know. I I copied it fine. But, you know, it, probably because I was a novice. And back when we were novices, we had to learn the code. You know, uh, interesting thing about, excuse me, about being a novice is uh, your license was good for one year, period. Mm -hmm. There were no renewals. If you failed the uh, test for the general class license, you had to wait 30 days to retake it. Yeah. So this whole time you're fighting this deadline that's out there somewhere, and you want to upgrade before you get to the end of that that license. And uh, it was a challenge. And a lot of people weren't able to upgrade to general. They upgraded maybe to uh, technician class because the CW test was five words per minute. But did yeah. we have the technician back then? Yeah, yeah, it was. We had okay because I don't remember whether it was available to me in '73 or not. In fact, yeah, we in, did. Yeah, yeah, in fact, I held the novice and tech at the same time. You could do that. Some people may not realize that, but you could actually do that. And because of that, I was able to work CW on 80, 40, 15, and I was able to experience six meter AM on you know on six meters. 
Uh, but you know, you 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 it was they came to Memphis four times a year, every quarter. So I had to wait. If I if I failed it, I'd have Ooh. to wait. You know. Yeah. Maybe up maybe up north there, you you guys had a little bit better service. Uh, I think we did in L.A. because it was a much bigger market, oh, yeah. and there were there were. One of the reasons why I do the YouTube thing is uh, is payback for how people help me. But there were hams. Just about every other block was a ham radio operator. Yeah, many were World War II CW operators, shipboard operators. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if I if I needed help with something, there was a guy on the next block. You know, uh, more than once I put a transmitter into a wagon and rolled it over to Jack's house to have Jack fix it for me so i was very lucky that there were hams everywhere and they were very nice yeah well you were uh you had probably a lot of uh hams elmers people you could <laughs> talk to i my little town i grew up in had about 1,000 people i was really the only ham there 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 was a tech there and I went over and said, I want to get my ham license, but he couldn't give me give me the test because he was a tech. Yeah. And uh, he arranged for me at the next larger town north there to go uh, uh, with, a, uh, I guess, a general or whatever to uh, take my. Uh, I, I think my, the point the yeah. point we're making at that time for a youngster, young adult, it was a challenge to get the license. It was very difficult. And uh, that pushed a lot of people away from ham radio until they had the kids raised. And now they're, you know, the the, the uh, finances of the family are such that he can buy some equipment. And we're seeing a lot of people coming back to amateur radio who initially weren't able to get a license. And uh, it's uh, it's a nice thing. We we have a we do have a growing number of amateur radio operators in the United States. Um, it's somewhere past 700,000. Yeah. And uh, many of the new guys are eager to learn um, now that they've retired. Right, Glenn? Eager to retire. There's you. Yeah. You know, they... Yeah. Um, yeah, I got mine in 73, and I had to get that general like you. I only had two years to do it, but... I I must have had the same guy that you had in my code class for the general man. <laughs> I was just terrified. You know, here I was sixteen. So yeah. So they changed the uh, novice license from one year to two years at some point. Somewhere between me and Glenn here, they changed it, I guess, to two years. Right. And plus, did you know there are still novices today that have a license? They uh, back when we got it, they expired. But that lot at some point, maybe when it went two years, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, when it expired, you were not able to renew it or extend it. You were done. That yeah, you know that was that was the end of it, which made it really hard. But but they've you, changed that. There, I know a novice today that has yeah. been have been a novice for you know thirty years or more. Just keep more. renewing it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. That's the way it should be. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you were—we uh, were talking before the show. We kind of crisscrossed paths there up at Dayton. There, we were almost sitting beside each other there for many years, one way or the other there around Bob Hyle in that area. So 
you you uh, were working with uh, well, you were selling some antennas, weren't you? Yeah, we were selling some uh, HF antennas and then um, some connectors after that. Um, yeah, I think what what you and I remember probably is the wood floor, yeah. the chandeliers, the yeah. T bar ceiling, and the odor of rotting wood because there was this large floor area and no ventilation underneath the floor, uh, no way to vent uh, the space, and it just reeked, which Jim, was really I, bad. I don't know if it happened before your last year going up here, but they're in. I think they're in the golden room. They actually set up tents inside the room one year. I don't know. Did you know about that? No. Tents? The, the, tent, the roof was leaking so bad that oh, some, vendors, some vendors put tents up inside the yellow room there. Can you imagine? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, but you know, you know yeah. what? You know what? I I loved I loved Hera, even though it was about to fall in and even though all the toilets would back up and Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I loved Hera. And I, I still today I love it more than I love the new location out at the fairgrounds. I guess it's just because, you know, I I went there for twenty five years or <laughs> no, probably thirty five years. And then when they moved I, I moved to uh to the fairgrounds, but I, I really like the old place. I maybe it's because we knew our way around inside. You know that, and uh, in my case, I thought the flea market. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's the layout's different or what, but I thought the flea market at Hera was better, bigger. I may be wrong, but yeah. it just felt bigger. I never had time to go out and look at it. Unfortunately, I lived in that flea market, yeah. man. Yeah, well, you I know, I would like to have done it. I think it's because of the pavement. Even though the pavement had a lot of holes in it, I, it was still not. It was still a, a pretty much nod mud hole. Hey, Glenn, Glenn, you were you you reckon you were in a mud hole here a couple of years ago, weren't you? Well, that was it. Uh, that was like the first year over at the fairgrounds. Yeah, they had that massive amount of rain and didn't have the drainage right in the. Um, vendor area i mean the fl the flea market area and yeah i was in mud up to my knees yeah yeah it, it got deep out there it, really it got deep out there but they they put up the uh the crushed asphalt and stuff and it's been really good ever since but i still think that in spite of that really crazy lunar surface that actually caused me to blow out a shoe at hera i still think that the flea market at hera was a little bit bigger yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Hey, Jim, so uh, tell us about your operation. Are you active on any of the particular bands? or? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I can bring up a picture of my antenna. Uh, yeah, I'm active uh, on 20 meters. Um, uh -huh. I'm primarily a DXer, and for, geez, most of my life, I've, I've lived it a lot around the gray line. So I get up in the morning, and where is the gray line? Where's What's it headed to? Who's on the air? Um, I enjoy, uh, well, for example, today I talked to uh, Ferry YB0AR and um, uh, a, um, uh, Alpha 85 Alpha uh, for a, a long time. So it's, it's fun to make friends like that and uh, meet them on the air. And I've been able to do that with a lot of guys. So I try to work DX as much as I can. And I'm looking for old friends and um have a good time doing that so i built a small three element yagi and uh it's on a uh, rotating tower so, uh the motors at the bottom uh, is a thrust bearing above that that holds the tower 
And then I put a, a winch on it and a remote control, and I can, from in here, run it up and down because um, we have a height limit of 30 feet. Uh, and I have five cameras pointing at the tower. Uh, some are looking at the winch. Two are looking at the winch to make sure nothing's going on there. One's yeah. looking at the coax, and then the other two look up at the Yagi to make sure uh, it's coming down or going up as it should. So uh, awesome. 20 meters is... I really enjoy 20. Uh, if I had a uh, tri-bander, I'd be on 15 also. And 10, as you know, is going to be good. I don't know, Glenn, uh, when is the peak of the cycle? Are we it, one year away from the peak? I think it's in 2025. We're we're getting close. It's starting to get yeah. good out there. Yeah. yeah, so once once that goes away, 10 meters go back to being dead yeah. for the most part. Yeah, but that's going to be another six three years four probably years. Be another five or six years i think we've yeah. got a, maybe a year and a half to peak and then then you've got what what seven, a year or two maybe three after peak and then uh, it, it, starts, yeah, it, it starts getting worse yeah it's it falls off the it's floor. amazingly good uh, yeah. when it's good it just i had heard stories when i was a kid and didn't believe them and then uh, for example in 1981 we had moved into a house on top of wolf mountain and I set up a transceiver in the garage and ran coax out to a dipole for 10 meters. And it wasn't more than about six feet off the ground, tied to the house, tied to a tree. It was working Europe like crazy with 100 oh, yeah. watts, FT-101. Yeah. It was amazingly good. And uh, it's probably that way right now. But anyway, I'm on 20 meters because it suits uh, the time I can get on the air. And um, like I'm on uh, uh, Alpha 85 uh Alpha, um, we have a lot of fun talking. We call each other grandpa because we both have grandkids and yeah. we're talking about what our grandkids are doing. So that's the neat thing about ham radios. You can make friends in other countries that you would never have the opportunity to meet. And, uh, you know, it, it, you can have a nice conversation with them and, and that could go on for decades. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's truly amazing that the friends that I've made in other countries and and uh, and who they are and what they do. Well, sometime shoot me an email when you're on 20 meters, and I'll try to join you. I think I can work California on 20. Oh, oh I yeah. think you could. Yeah, yeah. That's be from here to there is probably first hop. So yeah, one hop to your uh, place I and think, take. Uh, yeah. I think I'm working. Hey, uh, so Jim, let me ask you a question. Do you know what self-fusing tape is? Yeah. Self-fusing tape. So. I have some rolls of it. All right. Here, reason, as a matter of fact. The reason I asked that, one of, one of your customers in the chat room here, uh, Don uh, WJ3U, he said he still has some of your self-fusing tape uh, that he bought from you. It was, is it called Raincoat? It was, yeah. All right. Does that bring back memories, man? <laughs> it does. We sold a lot of those rolls. It's great stuff. Because yeah. uh, it didn't stick to the coax or the coax connector, and you literally could take a knife and slice through it, and it just sprung off. But it would weatherproof coax connectors. Uh, self amalgamating is also another word word for yeah. it. It only it's it's weird. It only sticks to itself. It only adheres to itself. So as you wrap it, it starts adhering to itself, and it forms a bond. It it and it's not sticky. You can touch it. It doesn't stick to your hand. It just yeah. sticks to itself. 
We're, we're getting some questions here. Uh, uh, Don wants to know, are, are you using wired or wireless cameras? Are your cameras on your... on your uh, These guys? For, I guess for your, your uh, antenna system. Oh, uh, they are wireless, but they don't work well. So oh. I ran uh, I ran Cat Five cables. So I'll see if I can. I got you. Yeah, I can I bring one. Yeah. So um, I ran Cat Five cables to them and hooked them up that way, uh, and that's right. been the most reliable. All right. So some people here, and maybe this is what I need to do. They say they have you in Ham Alert if you get spotted. I, I'm not even sure I, I knew what Ham Alert was, but. Uh, uh, I'll have to check into that and put you in there, and that ham way, I, that way I can surprise you. When this ham alert tells me you're on, I'll give you a call. There's a. I can you see the uh, the cameras? Uh, yes. Yeah. Put, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those are uh, the ones that look at the winch, and uh, we've got one out on the driveway, and this is uh, looking at the Aggie from two sides. Uh -huh. And this this one looks down at the tower to make sure the coax doesn't get caught up. And I have uh, speed controls, uh, pulse width modulation that control the speed going up and going down. It takes um, less voltage to go down, obviously. So uh, the two speed controls are, are different speeds. And then a 433 megahertz remote control. So from in here, I can push a, a button and run it up and run it down. And there's a mark on the cable, so I know uh, when I'm getting close to uh, to being fully nested. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's jump into this video. You you recently did some experimenting with SWR and some different uh, feed lines. I think you used some RG8X and some LMR400 and. Uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, some of the uh, takeaways that you came away with uh, from, from testing there. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw that video on. If you want to yell and, and, and say something over the top of it, you can, or you can just wait. Uh, I think they'll hear you if you say something. Uh, I could even stop the video if we have to, but I'll just put it on, let it run, and we can discuss it afterwards if you want to. So Okay, sounds uh, good. Yeah, so let me see if I can get it uh, playing here. And um, let's see what you did here. Hi, I'm Jim W6LG, your Ham Radio Elmer here on YouTube. Welcome to my radio room in Rockland, California. Okay, I know this looks weird, but trust me, it's got a, it's got some value. Uh, this is my switches board. And on the switchboard, I've got two switches. Uh, they are coax switches. They're relatively good at HF. There's very little loss through these things. So the way I've configured this is with this switch in uh, this position, the SWR connected here will show 1.5 to 1. If I flip this switch to here, it's now connected to these two. And this produces a two to one SWR. These are precision uh, dummy loads for antenna analyzers. Then if I flip this switch from what is basically open to this other resistor, now I get a 3.0 to one SWR. What's the point of all of this? 
Well, when you see what happens uh, to the SWR reading at the transceiver, based upon the kind of coax, you'll understand why this has some value. So again, I can simulate an antenna with a 3 to 1, 2 to 1, or 1.5 to 1 SWR. Let's look and see what happens when I use, uh, I've got 100 feet of LMR 400 and 100 feet of the gray RG8X. And let's take a look and see what the SWR appears to be at the transceiver. Okay, uh, again, using the AAZoom uh, 3000, I get 1.5, 2 to 1, or 3 to 1 reading on my switches box. And I'm going to pick 3 to 1. And I'm going to hook up 100 feet of RG8X. So at the beginning of the RG8X coax at the antenna side, the SWR is 3 to 1. But now at the transceiver, instead of it measuring 3 to 1, it measures about 1.8 to 1. Now that varied just a bit with the length of the coax I was testing. So um, ignoring the velocity factor and multiple of a half wavelength, the best I got was about 1.4 to 1, typically was about 1.8 to 1, when the actual SWR at the feed point was 3 to 1. Next, I hooked up 100 feet of uh, 400 max, and I had some other LMR 400. And with that connected, the SWR being at the beginning again, 3 to 1, the SWR at the transceiver measured about 2.5 to 1. So the SWR was higher with the uh, 400 max than it was with the uh, RG8X. So why is it? Why would the SWR look higher with uh, 400 max as compared to an old run of RG8X? Is the coax no good because the SWR is higher with the, with the 400 max? Is there something defective about the 400 max? Actually, not at all. The difference is the RG8X, because it has fairly high losses, it also reduces the SWR, so it makes it look better than it is. And when I use the two bird watt meters and measure the input and the output, in other words, the input to the system and the output at the antenna side, with a 3 to 1 SWR, it was losing about 50 to 60% of the power in the cable. 400 max uh, was around 20% uh, or less. So if you're on a POTA and you run that coax out and the SWR looks good, it may not be very good and you may be wasting watts. Same thing when you're at home. You may hook up a dipole, a vertical, no matter what it is. And the SWR needs to be read at the antenna, and if you can't get to the antenna, then a multiple of a half wavelength will will help. Um, so th the shorter the run of coax to the feed point of the antenna, the better. If you can do a half wave, uh, that's the best. So a high SWR with good coax is actually better than a low SWR with lousy coax, in this case, RG8X versus 400 max. There's uh, other versions of that, uh, LMR 400 and other kinds of 400 coax that you can find that has relatively low loss at, uh, at HF. So in my little switches box, the point was that I could pick different SWRs and do the readings 
if the SWR was relatively low at the antenna, the losses were much lower. I set it up with the highest in the worst possible case. Doing that, I'm Jim W6LG. Thanks for watching. If you have any questions, post them below. Uh, if you have a comment, put that below. If you want to do a thumbs up or a thumbs down, uh, please do that. If you haven't subscribed, uh, I ask you to do that too. 73 from Northern California. See you the next time. All right. Uh, that was uh, interesting. I've never seen yeah. I've never seen anyone do an experiment like that. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool the way you, you laid that out, Jim. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I tell you, you're getting a lot of comments. There's a lot of comments on that video. And uh, you're, you're starting to get you're starting to get people to think about it. And uh, uh, I think people actually do learn from watching those videos there, even if they don't understand it. They start digging into it and, and researching things, and, and uh, uh, they, they actually learn from it. So that's, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's maybe 100 comments so far, maybe, maybe a couple hundred. And mm -hmm. they're almost all complimentary, and uh, <laughs> a lot of guys understand the theory behind that before I had, you know, before the video. They, they knew a high SWR and and lousy coax meant huge losses so um some some folks wonder why they don't get out as well as others well look at your feed line look at your antenna that's the most important part of your station is yeah. the antenna system yeah that's what i was going to say hey let me ask this question right now while we're on here um i know a lot of people saw that video uh after you posted it i think yesterday uh, before they saw it here on our show. Uh, and we made a little announcement in there that you'd be on a show tonight. I just uh, would like to ask anybody in the chat room watching tonight, uh, if you came over to our show, if this is your first time to come over, or if you came over here because Jim was on tonight, just be interesting. We just posted that video yesterday, so it's got a lot of views uh, for sure. So hopefully uh, we've got some new people that uh, maybe just learned about being here with us, and maybe they're here tonight with us on uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. So. Uh, a lot of what I teach is really simple stuff. Mm -hmm. It is the basics, but some of it is confusing. And, um, for example, I, I did a video where I talked about the feed point of a dipole, and more than one person emailed to say, what is feed point? Mm-hmm. So that means you really got to go back to the basics and, and you know, explain it right from the start. You know, I, I, I saw one of the uh, comments in your video today. Uh, a guy says, I've been in radio for 38 years, and I don't understand. This is the first time I've heard about a half-wavelength piece of coax. Yeah. And that really surprised me. Yeah, me too. You know, so, Wow. So there's, there are a lot of surprises. So I, I'm going to try to cover that again. I have covered it in the past and, you know, where it's, um, if you take a circle and you turn it into a wave, when is it cross through the zero line? Well, it's every 180 degrees. So, yeah. um, that's, we'll get, we'll get to that. I was lucky in that one of my Elmers was a gentleman who worked at Lockheed. We became friends until he died, and that probably lasted 40 years. 
-hmm. And he had a way of describing how things work that was really simple. And I've tried to to follow that as best I can with a simple explanation. The subject may be complicated, but there may be a simple explanation or, or at least enough so that we, uh, the person who watches the video, um, can discuss it with somebody else and have some understanding of what's going on. And that includes things like DB and, and, uh, the rest of it. It's just much of it is, uh, it is difficult. That's sort of the fun too. You get a ham radio license and there's a whole bunch of stuff you can learn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, like your balloon is it, that's circling the globe. How many trips around the planet has it made? Oh, it's probably made about 28, 29 times around. Absolutely four, four, amazing. four years ago, Jim, four years ago, if you could make it once, you were doing good. And uh, yeah. and you could keep uh, it up for about maybe a month. And man, if you went three months, that was outstanding. And now we're at four hundred and thirty something days. Uh, it's uh, it just is amazing. And uh, just because I don't know anything about it, what frequency is the balloon on? Where where is it transmitting? It's, uh, we, we're using Whisper. We're on twenty meter Whisper. Oh really? Yeah. And here's here's the um, uh, here's the little board we're making right here. Um, this uh, we actually build this under a microscope. Those parts look pretty big right there, but uh, they're really not that big. They're uh, they're surface mount size, and uh, some of the smallest surface surface mount size actually. And let me show you what the board looks like actually here. Uh, here, uh, here's that the, is here, neat. Here, here's here's there's the board right. Here's the board oh, right we doing. And is that the antenna sticking it's out? It's got parts on both sides. Uh, yeah, the antenna is this little white wire I'm holding right here. Yeah. It's uh, that's a the GPS antenna now. That's the GPS antenna. What frequency is GPS? Uh, it's up what? It's in the gigahertz range. Okay. So, so that's the GPS antenna, and then for the twenty meter antenna, we actually run a full. 20 meter uh, dipole, half wave dipole on this guy or with the balloon. But we use a uh, number 36 wire that's about the size of hair on your head. So, so the. Which you, I'm getting, getting less of every day. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. this, this tracker, this tracker weighs 1.7 grams. That's less than a penny. And this has got the processor, the GPS, How in the, the transmitter. World did you do that? It's got everything that's amazing. on it. It's got everything on it. So 1.7 grams, the solar panel, uh, the solar panels, uh, add a couple grams. And then our, our 34 foot antenna, the 34 foot antenna actually weighs about 1.5 grams total. Wow. So you, you put all that together and the entire weight of this payload is about 7.8 grams. And, uh, it reports every 10 minutes. Through whisper, uh, during during sunlight we don't we don't transmit during night because batteries will not work up there. It's too cold. Uh, although I've, I'm, I've, one of our shows coming up here, I've got some special <laughs> batteries. I'll let the secret out. I have some special batteries being made in China right now, and uh, they're going to be shipped. I've already paid for them. Uh, they're samples, but the shipping's 58 bucks on them <laughs> oh, from, from China. So, uh, they're guaranteed to go down to, to operate as low as minus 40, uh, Celsius. That's where we need to be. 
and they're, they're guaranteed to charge down as low as minus 20 Celsius. Now that's the kicker right there. None of the LiPos that you can get today, they all quit charging about zero Celsius. And we're up in the minus 20 to minus 40. So these batteries I'm getting uh, are going to be, uh, they, will, they will charge at minus 20. And that, that's during sunlight. We're going to paint the batteries black. Uh, we will get some heat. Uh, and uh, I think we can charge them. And hopefully we can get maybe, you know, maybe we can get well, 18 hours well, a day. Tom, yeah. Tom I think yeah. it's, it's amazing. And uh, I was thinking back to maybe some folks will remember Sputnik. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and and it hits. Glenn had had some kind of a beep tone. I don't recall yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were all amazed at that thing. And now you you've got your own Sputnik. Well, just just about we do. Uh, we yeah. did. Did know. Tom tell you the power output of that thing? No. How many milliwatts? Well, typically, milliwatts? typically this is ten milliwatts. So yeah. that's less than your garage door opener, and and it will transmit nine thousand kilometers or six thousand miles easy. Uh, so that's how we track it every ten minutes, and we also have a modified whisper program in here, where it actually sends two whisper transmissions. Uh, normally, whisper whisper transmission is only going to give you a four-digit grid square. Uh, by sending two transmissions, we can get a little bit more data in here, and we're getting down to a, a, a six-digit grid square, which puts us in about a two-mile box. If you go with four digits uh, grid square, you're in about a hundred-mile box. You don't know where it is, but we're down into about a two-mile box. So, so we know where it is. When it flies over a Russian airbase, we know where it is. When it flies over Tehran and you know Iran and you know. All those places we know where it is, and uh, well, that's all I can say about it right now. Hey, we're yeah, talking about that, we're, we need to get back to you tonight, man. So okay. So anyway, uh, well, I'll just tell you a quick yeah. thumbnail sketch of me. I was uh, as we discussed licensed in uh, 1964 and upgraded to general in 1964, and held that call sign for about a decade. Um, that was in Burbank and, um, the Hollywood Burbank area. Uh, and then ultimately we moved to grass Valley to a mountaintop. <clears throat> there was a six and a half acres on this mountaintop. Uh, it's a repeater site. There's a whole bunch of repeaters down the road. And I went out to look at it and stood on a rock and it was downhill because it was full of Manzanita. It was downhill in all directions. And I thought, Perfect. So we bought that and we lived there for 40 years. And then about four years ago, we moved to here to Rockland. So I've gone from a mountaintop phased Yaggies on 20 meters. I had two 20 meter Yaggies side by side that I phased and 15 meter and 10 meter Yaggies to just the little um, three elements on an 18 foot boom, which works out pretty well, actually, uh -huh. on the valley floor. The difference here is noise. Oh, my. Um, well, it's amazing how noisy it is here. If you live in a city, I guess you're going to get that. You know, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Solar but, panels and the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if people realize this or not, but you're actually joining our team here. 
you're going to try to be with us when you can uh, on the show and bring in some of your great uh, uh, experiments and, and talk about things. And uh, uh, just want everybody to know that you're going to be here when you can. And let's talk just two or three minutes about uh, about your, you, you've got some medical treatments coming up. You've got some medical conditions mm-hmm. you're fighting, and uh, that's going to maybe cause you not to be here every week. But you're going to be here when you feel like it. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds like a good idea, and I think that'll work out fine. Um, uh, just I, I've made it public. I'm not keeping any secrets on it. Uh, I have cancer. It's in my blood. Um, it's called pre-leukemia or myeloid dysplastic syndrome. And my blood tests right now are trailing downhill again. Uh, when they get to a certain point, I have to be transfused. I had 16 transfusions from March to April, and I was in the hospital five times um, in guarded condition and in, in really tough shape uh, during the time I was having chemo. Chemo will start again in January and probably run through May. Uh, The first week of the month, uh, there'll be uh, chemo in that week and then three weeks off. And the first, Tom, the first week I had chemo, I I left the building and I thought, well, that wasn't so bad. You know, you lay in a chair and they put in the stuff and got home and, oh, my God, did I get sick. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough thing. But I'll, I'll... Let's talk about that. Just, I've got to put in a plug for ham radio, amateur radio. I am my white count uh, at one point was close to zero, so I had no immunity to anything. In other words, if I shook Glenn's hand, I could end up with, you know, a cold or and then be in really bad shape because I have no way to fight it. Um, so I'm kind of in this little room that I have my in my house that's my radio room and YouTube stuff. Why is that important? Well, here's the pitch for ham radio on days when I don't feel good. I get, I try to get on the air, uh, talk to some friends. It may be DX. It may be a mon, uh, victory 85 America. I said it's called sign wrong earlier. Um, and so I feel good at the end of that. I've got a smile on my face. I didn't feel sick during the time I was talking to them. So, it's good therapy. If I didn't have ham radio, I'd be sitting, I don't know, watching cable TV and drooling. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know. So ham radio has been great. I've got lots of friends. I get emails all the time um, asking how I'm doing. And sometimes I meet guys on the air. And it's a kick when you call CQ and somebody says, I've I've seen your videos or I'm a subscriber. And then we, we talk for a while. Mm-hmm. So ham radio has been a good medicine for me. Well, uh, there's several comments on here. Uh, one's from my son there, uh, and, and we do understand what you can be going through. My son went through it years ago, uh, and my son says uh, he understands firsthand uh, as a survivor of 31 years. So, and I can remember that just like it was yesterday. It's, yeah. it, and since you brought that up, it's harder on you. It's harder on my wife. It's harder on the caregiver. It's very hard on the caregiver. Because mm-hmm. that person, when you get home, you, you end up, I, I think I spent weeks in bed, just had no energy. And so the caregiver is worrying about you getting it to me, you know, getting you to the uh, chemo sessions and making sure you're taking your medications and staying hydrated and the rest of it. So 
it's really hurt hard on that person, really hard. All right, well, Jim, we wish you the best. And uh, thank you. Hey, uh, you got a lot of people pulling for you here. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, are, but are you want to talk about my here. little switchboard just for a second to yeah. get back to? Yeah. The, okay. Right why ahead. did I do why did I do this and Glenn is smiling because it does look kind of goofy and I I tried to I had a box and I put resistors in it and I would switch the resistors in, in this box and I had reactants I had uh inductive uh, and capacitive reactants and I couldn't get rid of it I, son of a gun what am I going to do and then these switches are really pretty good they'll handle 1500 watts with ease there's pretty good isolation mm. between one position and another because it shorts out the uh, the other one. And I, I was mm. looking at them, well, I've got a drawer full of these. I've got like six, seven. And I have a bunch of these. I called it a dummy load in the video, and a couple of people have said, well, they're not. Yeah, that's exactly what the label says. It says it's a dummy load. So this was a way to figure out what happens when the SWR is high and how important is coax? And uh, the, the short answer is spend your money on the feed line and the antenna. Uh, I know you you look at, a, at something and you want to buy it. Maybe it's a microphone, but that may not give you any further distance. But a better antenna with a better feed line will. And get the most expensive feed line you can afford. And, and for some, that will be uh, RG213. And for others, it'll be something bigger, like LMR 400 or 600. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, was multiple of a halfway of a lot of folks have asked me about that and want another video to cover um, that. Uh, so I'm going to try to get there. And that just is if you have an antenna and if you can set a feed line to it, that's adjusted for the proper velocity factor to half a wavelength. What you're going to see at the, at the end of the coax is pretty much the way it looks at the feed point where the coax connects to the antenna. Uh, Cause sometimes you can't reach the antenna. You've got to be on the ground. It's up in the air. What do you do? Um, anyway, that's, we're going to cover the uh, multiple of a half wave and what that means in the next video. Well, that's, that be uh, cool. that's, that's great. Yeah, one of the big things, you know, that that my mind is circling on right now is you're you're kicking around and zeroing in on probably one of the most misunderstood things in my mind in ham radio and that's SWR and impedance and velocity factor and how do all of these things relate to overall signal loss. And you know, this that's why I really like your little resistor switch box because it starts to show what SWR really is in terms of a resistance, even though it's an impedance thing, you know, you're still, you brought it down to the bare bones of resistance and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, some don't understand the difference between uh, resistance and impedance. So impedance, you've got uh, some reactants. It could be capacitive, could be inductive, could be both. Um, so it, it maneuvers the impedance, the impedance from you maybe have a 50 ohm antenna, but because of reactants and other stuff going on, uh, it may actually be 75 ohms or 33 ohms. Um, also, when you're putting up an antenna, and I love dipoles. I just think it's a cool antenna. 
Um, I just like a, a center-fed dipole. Uh, what you're looking for is what frequency, at what frequency is R equal to some number, and there's no reactance. So you're looking at just the pure resistance of the antenna. And that is the resonant frequency of the antenna, not where the SWR is one-to-one, -one, but where there is no reactance. And those are the kind of things that um, confuse folks, and me too. And you've got to think about, okay, why does it look this way? Uh, if you can, the little Yagi I have up, the three-element Yagi, I've worked the world with it. And I think because I got it right when I put it together, and I took a few minutes with... Um, I've got a couple of antenna analyzers, like this one I've got right next to me um, from uh, Rig Expert. And these things are absolutely, whether it's this one or I've got the uh, um, the AA35, which is about, which I paid $200 for. The things are amazing what you can find out about an antenna or a feed line. Um, I've got a number. So, I've got yeah. a number of uh, antenna analyzers here, both the Comet and uh, also the MFJ. Yeah. I looked at. I looked at that Rig Expert. I said, "Hey, maybe I'll buy me one of those too." And uh, that that uh, the Rig Expert, the three thousand, that thing cost almost two thousand dollars. Man, it is high. But that goes up to three gigahertz, and there's no reason to get something that goes up no. that high. You know? the, the, uh, the other one I have that was $200 and change in gigaparts when it was on sale, it goes to 35 megahertz. And they've got another one that has a few more features that goes to 55 megahertz, Yeah. the AA55. That's really a neat machine. And the stuff I can tell you about your antenna, um, when you're outside hooking it up, it just makes life easy because you can say, oh, yeah. okay, it's too long, too short. What do I need to do to get this right? What do I need to do with a hairpin match or whatever it is to match impedances? Well, Jim, that goes right along with another segment uh, I'm going to try to squeeze in here tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk about some dipole antennas, uh, uh, particularly the fan dipoles, and uh, a study that Stanford University did yeah. I don't know if you've seen the study that Stanford University mm -hmm. did on the uh, fan dipoles, but there's some very interesting information in there that will help people, and it's real simple. So I'm going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. Uh, again, hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and joining our, our crew and being with us tonight. I think you're going to be a great asset to us. And uh, we understand uh, your schedule is when you feel like it, and uh, we're, we're, we're hoping you're going to feel good all the time, you know. We know that's not going to happen, but you're going to be with us when you can, and uh, we'll be glad to have you. So thanks for coming in here tonight. Oh. Uh, and, and Jim, uh, I don't know if you need to go or if you want to stay. You're no, welcome. I'm, welcome I'm good. Stay. I just looked at the clock. It looks like we we're about an hour, about an hour yeah, yeah. into this. Yeah, no, yeah He's I'm, on California time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I am. Um, you know, we can go a little bit uh, – a little bit longer, but uh, thanks, and and thanks for the invitation. I was honored to uh, to get it and right. uh, thrilled with the idea. Of yeah, being glad able to, to talk. Have you. Thank you, Glenn. All right, and hey, thanks again for being with us, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you're feeling good, and I think I think you'll be with us next week. You look like you're you're doing good for now. Just hang in there and do what the doctor says. That's, yeah, yeah. that's about all you can do there. Now let all me right, throw so out tonight's old timer moment. 
What was that? Talking about all these analyzers and VNAs and all this really cool stuff we have to analyze antennas and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. What did we have back in the day? Well, Jim and I talked about we had a light bulb. We had a light bulb and an SWR meter, and that was it. We had to trim those antennas that way. You might have had, you you may have had a couple of little bitty light bulbs on a piece of uh, twin lead-in that you could lay up against. That's right, yeah. But anyway, okay, hey, I want to talk, look at there, there we go. I want to I want to I want to move on now and I want to talk a little about the um, the fan dipole and some interesting things about it and, and uh, how I'm going to try to get around those things. So thanks, Jim, for being with us and uh, uh, stick around as long as you want to. And uh, yeah, shed, shed some light on the fan dipole. Yeah, we're going to do that. And uh, the, the, the Stanford University study, uh, it, it, it's got a, a pretty interesting take to it that everybody needs to know. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with you guys in just about one minute or so. So, uh, let's see. Well, maybe we won't. I don't think we will. We're not going to be. Ba- we're back now. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. Here we go. Okay. So, uh, oh, hey, I want to make just a quick announcement, real quick. Well, first, let me say this. Uh, where am I? Boy, it's been so much fun tonight already. My head's my head's full of things. Okay. Hey, uh, let me just make an announcement here again. If you're out there listening on shortwave, you're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, amateur radio, shortwave, and uh, we're so glad you're with us. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join our show. Join our video show on Tuesday nights. You can see us live. We have a chat room. You can join us. Uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on uh, W5KUB.com. If you're on YouTube right now, uh, you can watch us on YouTube or you can watch us on W5KUB.com. Both are the same. Uh, Please hit that subscribe button. I'm helping you out right there, pointing to where that subscribe button is. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Hit the uh, notify button. Uh, We've already put in a chat room uh, uh, Jim's... uh, a web page just go to youtube and just type in gmw6lg he's got a lot of great videos there and um, uh, subscribe to his channel there if you will all right so back to just a quick announcement i'm still looking for i'm still looking for in fact i just now lost it <laughs> i'm looking for here we go guys i'm looking for an all-american five radio as mentioned, there was millions of these radios made in the like like 1960s. It's, the, it's just a five tube radio, no transformer in it. Uh, I'm looking for the one with the miniature tubes. The the uh, you can see the tubes there. The 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 smaller tubes, not the big uh, Loctal, but but uh, the smaller uh, seven pin tubes there, uh, such as the uh, 50C5 uh, audio output, the 35W4 rectifier. This is the one I'm looking for. And what we're going to do with it, guys, is I'm going to convert that. This is going to be a show project. I'm going to convert that to an AM broadcast transmitter for the show. So when we turn that thing on, we're going to have an AM broadcast transmitter, and we can turn that dial and get on any frequency there. We'll find an empty spot, and we can we can be DJs for the day. And I uh, just want to show you, we're going to do that without 
without adding any additional parts. We're going to take that radio, move some wires around from the tube sockets and uh, uh, relocate a couple of things. And I think we do need one capacitor added, but we can steal that capacitor from this radio somewhere else. So we're going to make a broadcast transmitter, AM broadcast transmitter, out of one of the All-American 5s, if I get one. And guys, I'll send it back to you. Once we get through with it, here's the show, I'll send it back to you. You can give it to your children. You can give it to your kids in the neighborhood. They can have their own radio station, and they can worry about the FCC. Okay. I, that's all I wanted to say about the All-American 5, guys, right there. So, hey, if you got one, send it to me. All right. So that's going to be a fun project that we will hopefully try to do. Uh, let's see. Hey, uh, Brett. Yeah, you can join us, Brett, if you want to, on Zoom. Uh, Brett normally uh, has been joining us. Uh, he was at a Christmas party tonight, ham radio Christmas party. But, uh, uh, Brett, you should you should uh, you should know the uh, the code to get in to uh, Zoom. Okay. Hey, guys. I want to talk a little about uh, fan dipoles real quick, since we talked a little about them with Jim, and and just. Some interesting things. Now, I've got a lot of antennas here. I've got some uh, 3.8 uh, verticals for 40 meters out there. I've got a 5.8 vertical for 40 meters out there. Uh, these are wires that are actually go up to a uh, tree limb. Uh, I've got a, a, a 40 meter extended double zip out there. It's up about 90 feet, and it's about 172 feet long, I guess. It's fed with uh, uh, open line and uh, a, a tuner out at the antenna farm, uh, and I've got a fan dipole out there. Uh, I've got a fan dipole, uh, but uh, my, uh, I had a fan dipole out there built for 80, 40, and 20. Now I think the 20, the legs are just hanging straight down. I think it still looks okay on on 80. I don't know if it was if it's SWR or if it's good on 40, but uh, I really need to redo that before winter. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've just got so many antennas up out there. I'm thinking about replacing that fan dipole with another fan dipole. And I'm trying to determine what bands do I want. Probably 80 because I don't have an 80 meter antenna up. Now, but let me back up and say this. That 172 foot extended double zip is on a 1500 watt tuner out there. I can actually make that double zip tune any, any band I want to. So... I could get on 80 if I want to, but uh, so uh, I'm thinking about replacing that, fan, rebuilding this fan dipole. Now, uh, there are, everybody knows what a fan dipole is. Here's some pictures we've got here. There's a fan dipole right there. It's just, uh, that's an inverted V fan dipole fed with a piece of coax and, and you cut a half wavelength, uh, you know, quarter wave uh, leg on each side for each band, a half, half wave di dipole for each band. Okay, and I'm going to tell you what's wrong with that in just a minute. So that's one there for five bands, five bands. Okay, there's one there for three bands, you know, a little bit simpler. Uh, not as much wire, but he's got three bands in there. Uh, here's one here. It looks like this came out of probably QST, maybe. There's a fan dipole there again. One, two, well, that's a three band. Oh, yeah, so that's a three band. Uh, uh, fan dipole. Okay, moving on. There's a fan dipole. Now the thing is, you don't have to actually hang each leg under the other legs. 
I have found that you can tune that antenna much better if you just run those legs different directions. In other words, separate, separate them by, you know, 10, 15 feet. One north-south, maybe the next antenna may be northeast, uh, south-west, uh, you know. Uh, they don't have inter as much interaction. Here's a cool, uh, here's a cool uh, uh, fan dipole here, 80, uh, uh, 20 through 10 meters. Uh, it's kind of drooping in the center. You can see uh, the guy says put a 50-foot support on each end, and you probably Tim. You uh, uh, what? I, I, Tom, I would never put up. I've tried those kinds of things, like it's showing there. Yeah, it yeah. is such a booger to get up in the air and to oh, keep it, it all in line. It is. Oh, I, and, I I like it where the wires are spread apart, like the, the slide before this one. Yeah, and you know, and, and you can see here the weight. I I, I hate doing this with a di even just a dipole. The center it does have a lot of weight. So if you can if you can support that center even with a string or a rope over a tree, I, I would suggest in doing that. Now, uh, here's what I was talking about earlier. This is a fan dipole, but instead of yep. all the instead of all the the uh, legs. Uh, directly under each leg you can see here he's got them moved out different directions and let me tell you that's doable and uh, uh, much easier to uh, to tune those now so uh, let me get to the Stanford study here uh, I've got it right here so there was a study here at Stanford Research Institute and uh, they found they, they, they found that for this thing to really tune easily and in, in where you can replicate it, you need a certain distance between the wires. You know, you can't just, I guess you could have a one-inch gap between the wires and, uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and try to tune it. You know, you, you're going to have heck tuning it. You know, I've seen, I've seen uh, articles where they take rotor cable, flat rotor cable, and cut, you know, cut it down for each each uh, band i don't know how they'd make that work but i i've tried stuff like that it yeah. doesn't work no it just simply won't work so here's here's the kicker here's what here's what stanford discovered right here with the fan dipole they found that you needed at least five and a half inches vertically at the feed end and and at least 38 inches in the two to 18 uh, what's that? 18 megahertz range. So uh, they're saying you need to really separate those wires even at the feed point. Now most people, most people try, and I, that's the way I've done it before. I mean, I've tied them together, uh, <laughs> tied them together like that, you know, and um, uh, you know, like that. And uh, they're hard to tune. You get one tune, the other one don't want to act right. You get it tuned, and then you got a problem with the other one, and. Uh, it, believe me, it's a mess. Now, Stanford also said that they, they took that model down to three different bands. They have not tried this on four bands and five bands. I have found in my experience, I can get three bands to work pretty easily. But when I go with a fourth band, if I try to add a fourth and a fifth band in there, it just don't work good at all. Now, so... The secret I found in playing with this, and I started this, but I did never finish it, and I need to get on it, is to do something like uh, like this, where where at the at the feed point he has separation between the legs, and on this particular one it looks like he has the five and a half inches 
maybe at the, the top two, but then it looks like he starts kind of uh, getting a little bit smaller separation toward the bottom. But again, it looks like he's he, he's working on the principle that they need to be uh, separated there. And uh, is, was that yeah. is that a coil at the bottom or uh, that, that's that's thing? a that's a dirty ballon wrapped around that uh, around the oh, okay. there, dirty ballon. So inside there, you can see uh, typically you drill your holes, you put you some eye bolts through there, and and you take something like plumber strap and put inside there, and uh, you know lock washer and nut, tighten it down, and uh, this becomes your actual center feed here. So. Yeah, uh, Quick comment about the plumber strap as an old building inspector. Uh, that's great grounding strap. It's got holes in it already. Yep. Uh, use it on a vehicle, use it at home. It, it works wonderfully well. It's uh, got a really low impedance It because it's flat and wide. Yeah. Now, this looks like copper here. Now, all I, all I was able to get, I, I, I think I bought, I don't know if this is galvanized or something. Uh, but in just trying to build this and test it and see how it works, uh, that's the uh, plumber strap that I got right there. So you can see. They make what... a version of those straps for cable TV that you can buy. It, it has an attachment for the wires. Um, you can get it at places like skywalker.com. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So so this is this is my center conductor, my feed point that I'm uh uh, I put together right there. You can see the, the eye bolt at the top to, with a rope to hold it up in the center because it's going to have a little bit of weight to it. And particularly if you feed it with something like, uh, you know, RG213 or LMR400 or something, it's going to have some weight to it. So plumber strap inside, two plumber straps down inside it, uh, connecting all the U-bolts together. And then, uh, and then you will just put our, um, we'll, start, we'll start adding our antennas like um, like this, uh, to the, uh... guys, I had to sneeze. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, so, so, uh, here, here we go here. I'm starting to add some legs on here. Now, you know, I, I think I want 80 and I want 40 and I want 20. Of course, I've, I've got other antennas to work, but I want this antenna to be 80, 40, and 20. And let's say I want to add one more band. I'm going to try to add a fourth a fourth one on there. What would I add? Maybe Probably maybe 10 meters. Uh, I'm thinking, though, what about the 60-meter band? Now, I listened on 60 meters this week, and there's activity on there, and that is a pretty quiet band, and it it's not real crowded. So I might put a 60-meter band. Um, 60 meter legs on here. I don't know. If the FCC opens it up the way they say they might, then we'd have more bandwidth. We'd have more spectrum there to use. Yeah, that might be a good idea. Yeah, I might. I might do that. So there it is. There hanging in the shop. Uh, that's actually a one to one ballon. There, I've got it at the bottom. Uh, you know, I'll do something like a dirty ballon or, or maybe a one to one. Uh, commercial balance or something here at the end. I don't know. I just got that clipped on just for testing. Uh, there it is again. With you can see a couple of the legs. Let's see. There we. There's a little bit better shot right there. Uh, so you know the, the the wires will just they'll tie on the uh, U-bolts and then they'll make a little swing under there and then they'll uh, with a. Uh, uh, with the, Reminds me of a hex beam. 
yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it does. And I, and, uh, I built a hex beam uh, here a couple years ago and actually gave it away. I had it behind my building back there for a long time. And uh, Ham came by and I said, hey, man, you want a hex beam? And they somehow they put it on their truck and got it out of here. It was pretty big, Doug, on this truck. But it, it's kind of the same way the hex beam uh, is on the feed point. Um, they're a little bit closer. but uh, So this is, a, this is a shot of it hanging there. Um, let's see, another shot of it hanging. Um, uh, you can see I've got a, uh, uh, a lift there that's pulling it up. It's pretty heavy, so, you know, that's up on the ceiling, guys. Um, but that's how it looks, you know, the wire will just tie, uh, tie on the U-bolts, uh, twist around the U-bolts, and it'll make a little swing, and then a little lug will go under the, it'll go under the uh, washer and the nut there. And you tighten it down. The inside's already got a, a, a washer and a lock washer and a nut on it, so uh, it's snug inside. Uh, once you tighten that, tighten that nut down on the outside, it actually pulls that together really tight and makes a good good connection there. So I, I think I think the point needs to be made also, Tom, that with an antenna like that properly installed and, and good coax, you literally can talk to the world. Well, I'm, you I'm can hoping, work every yeah. continent. You can work all kinds of countries with that. Uh, you may not be first through the pilot, but uh, you'll get through. That's uh, that's an efficient antenna uh, yeah. that will work great. Yeah. It really will. Yeah. yeah. Now you know we were talking earlier. It was mentioned about trimming. I think we were talking about trimming the antenna. I've, I've never seen this before, but uh, I found a chart today. It actually tells you how much to trim an antenna, for instance. You know, when I get out there, and I, if I make a dipole, I usually make it a foot long on each end, foot extra, and yeah. I'm thinking, okay, I need to, yeah. I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too low in frequency, how much do I need to take off, and I'll, you know. But uh, this little chart right here is pretty good. For instance, if you want to take off, uh, you know, if, if you need to go down 100 uh, kilohertz, you just go up here to your band, and you can look across there. And this will tell you about how many uh, centimeters that uh, you need to reduce it by to to bring that frequency up or down uh, by that much. So that's a that's a neat little chart right there. There's only one problem with that chart. It's in metric. It only works with older antenna wire oh, and yeah. older coax because if you notice the charts is in kilocycles per second. Oh, not kilohertz. you're true. It might not work at all, man, because we have yeah. converted. You, you got to do the conversion factors. You know, you know, Glenn. Uh, I'm an old ham, and I I never made the conversion to hertz myself. No, it's still kilocycles. Yeah, to I me, never man. made that conversion. So <laughs> my, all my equipment still runs on kilocycles, man. Amen. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So, so back to the back to the Stanford research study. You know, they're talking about five and a half inches there at the vertically at the uh, at at the uh, center conductor, and at least 38 inches. Uh, at the at the distant ends there from the two to eighteen megahertz range. So, um, you know, I don't like putting a lot of ropes up out there everywhere. I, I don't want to tie a rope on every single leg and tie you know put it up out there. Uh, so I'd like to be able just to hang it, hang each one under the other one, separated by a couple you know two feet or so, and. Um, what I uh, what I'm thinking about doing is, uh, you know, you could have your main rope that holds your longest one, and then on the your 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 third antenna down, you could you could actually have another set of you know 
paracord ropes or whatever to, you know to hold it if you don't do that when a wind blows the sucker will wrap around itself i've had that happen before so yeah you don't want yeah. it to wrap around you know you, yeah. you got to keep them apart and i'm thinking okay maybe i maybe i just need to tie a brick on the bottom of each end you know and that'll hold it down you know of course i have seen them with fishing sinkers on them before you yeah did that. yeah i may have to may have to do something like that you know so uh let's let's see um so yeah okay well that uh, let's see uh, what they say on this one right here let's see and you may make your uh you may make your highest frequency instead of you know like 80 let's let's come down from the top to bottom instead of me going 80 uh let's just say 80 40 20 maybe you go 80 and then 20 in the center and then 40 at the very bottom you know maybe i mean you can it doesn't make any difference you can do that uh easily uh, put some kind of type separators in there you, uh, small pvc pipe drill some holes in it that makes some great uh spreaders and uh i, I tell you um i have found that you know i used to have a beam up and tower and oh man and, you know it was it was i had it for many 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 years and i finally got rid of it gave it away i'm all wire now and and i love it uh, i can talk about anywhere on all wire that i could talk to with my my uh, beams and uh you know the thing about it is uh, i've got a lot of trees around my house people know i have uh many many uh, 80 90 foot trees all around my house some have fallen into my house, um, but um, those are gone now. Uh, but uh, I've got nice places to put antennas up, and the thing is, the wires, and particularly for black wires, you don't see them from the street. People walking them down the street, you don't see my antennas. So, if I use black, it's better than um, yeah, uh, just a stranded wire, then, huh? Because I've got some yeah. black. I think black. it's sixteen gauge or eighteen. No, it's eighteen gauge. I think. Well, so that. Would, with the vinyl coating, vinyl. Yeah, supply. I typically have like number ten of you know number ten is fairly good size wire. Uh, with, oh yeah. With insulation on it, black black number ten or black number twelve. Uh, you don't hardly see it. In fact, I want I want to tell you, I can go out in my backyard and stand under the antenna farm, and just there in the trees. Try now. I'm not out of the street now. I'm in the backyard under my antennas, trying to follow the wires, and it's almost impossible particularly if you yeah. need any hike to them. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Are we only talking about five or six amps because it's I squared R, so uh, the current squared times uh, 50 ohms uh, equals 1,500 watts or so. So that would be, I think, well, I don't have my calculator working. So you only need wire to be able, uh, Tom, you only need wire to be able to handle five or six amps. Is that about right? Pro probably. So I've never worried about that. Uh, I've all and typically uh, i've always been able to scrounge wire from place to place Anything better than 20 oh. gauge is probably fine up to full eagle power yeah um, and insulated is better because uh, of the skin effect your your rf is going to go to the outside of the wire and so if you don't have corrosion there it's going to perform better um i the the kind of wire that i use for my antennas is tracer wire which is copper coated steel so it has a really coated, um, really good, really conductive copper on the outside, but it has the strength of the steel and the springiness of the steel on the inside. Let so that winds up working the best. And it's insulated. It's insulated with uh, HDPE, so it lasts in the weather. All right. I, and I may do some, be doing something similar. I have, you know, I'm an old military guy, 
I have a roll of military, what I call field wire. It's, you know, a two pair together. And uh, each, each, uh, each um, conductor uh, has, it has like four, four copper and three steel in it. So each piece has four copper, three steel. It's double. I just tie the ends together. And it's black. And uh, I, I don't even know if a, a nuclear blast would make that insulation come off of it. It doesn't seem to uh, weather very very bad at all. So uh, that, that wire will never break, let me tell you. I, if, I, if it got hung on a tree limb up here and I hooked it to my pickup, I'd probably pull the truck over. That's, is that it, it is another name for that? I'm trying to think of what it is. Um, Brett, is it copper weld? Is that also? Well, I, I I don't I don't think it's copper weld. All this this could be considered a maybe a copper it, weld. Well, no, is, copper, a, I think copper weld is just a it's just a, a what it's an iron it's an iron conductor with copper clad on it. I think. Oh, okay. I thought it was steel. Yeah, in any case. Oh, copper weld is a brand name of one brand of copper clad steel tracer wire, but there are lots of brands. Yeah. You don't have to just that one. Just just look for the abbreviation CCS. Um, and I usually, you know, I'm, I don't skimp. I go up to 14 gauge to make sure there's a lot of surface area there. That also makes the bandwidth a little wider. And it is just so good for antennas. So you can tell the difference between like you talked about number 22 and number 10. So you can detect when it's a larger diameter uh, with a greater surface area. Is that, is that right? You um, can tell yeah. the difference. You, you'll notice that it tunes up a little bit easier. I mean, either one will handle all the power, but uh, if you want, if, if you don't want to have to retune as much and you don't want your tuner to have to be as finicky, uh, that's a good choice. I, I'm, I'm a great fan of remote tuners. And so I'll put a tuner out there near the antenna that'll match it. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and Tom, the other thing is, for a person who does this, they've learned a lot about antennas. They put something up. They didn't go to a store and buy a $500 dipole. Uh, they built this thing, and, and it would cost, I don't know, 50 bucks maybe uh, to build this thing, and it'll work great. So you, it's, you know, it's a good project. Yeah, you know, there's there's people that sell antenna wire. I mean. Wire that, man, yeah. Yeah. There's people selling antenna wire, and you know, if you got if you got the money and you don't mind, I mean, it's just good wire. It's good wire, and uh, I've looked at some of some of it's good. I'd love to have some of it. You know, it's flex, very flexible. It's uh, stranded. It's 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 nice wire. But being a ham from the era I'm from, we're we're cheap. We built all of our stuff <laughs> and scrounged our stuff and we swapped our stuff. And I don't want to buy wire when I, you know, when somebody throws me a, you know, a 150 foot piece of Romex here, I take a razor blade knife and I just slip, slip down yeah. the center and I pull the three wires out and I've got, I've got an 80 meter antenna right there, you know, now it's solid. Now somebody might say, well, it's going to stretch. Well, it don't stretch that much. And you know, Hey, if it does stretch in a couple of years, shorten it a little bit. Well, and if you got a for. tuner, if you got a tuner on it, who cares if it stretches two or three inches? Exactly. You know, so, okay. So, hey, that's my, that's my uh, uh, story on, on, um, on the uh, fan dipole tonight. I hope, hope that helps somebody. The secret here is that, that, that separation at the feed point, and it does make a big difference. I have, I have, uh, I've looked at it out there with test equipment with them all tied right together. And, I, and, and I've separated them by four or five inches and looked at it. It does make a difference, and it makes it easier to tune them. Again, 
three are easy to tune. Man, if you can tune five up, five legs on there, write me a note and, uh, you know, uh, we'll make you our chief engineer on the show for, for fan antennas. Uh, it, it's, it can be done. People do sell five-band, uh, you know. Well, the DX antennas. Commander is really yeah. popular, and it's half yeah. of a five-band uh, fan dipole. Yeah, yeah. And I've been looking at that antenna lately, and that is... Uh, what four or five pieces of vertical wire <laughs> that's what it is basically and, and I've, done, I've done the, i've done the same thing here uh, outside uh hey uh a single feed point you cut your quarter wave for 40 quarter wave for 20 15 10 put them all single feed point put you a, a spreader in there you know put them about a foot apart take them up to a tree limb and you got your DX commander there for, for nothing, you know, and it don't look as pretty and, you know. Uh, of course, I, I tie that, you know, at my, I've got a buried radio ground system out there that I would I would use the other uh, piece to. Okay, so hey, that's enough about the uh, the uh, fan uh, antenna site. I hope, I hope somebody maybe got something, or at least uh, by hearing about it, they'll research that now and uh, see. I found, uh, I, I always find some interesting things I want to talk about each night on the show. There is a new uh, cobweb antenna for uh, a new cobweb antenna for VHF. Uh, have you seen that, uh, Brett? The new cobweb. I so, haven't seen the new cobweb uh, for for VHF. There. there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the spider must have had a fun time uh, spinning that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's packed well when they ship it. You got to be very careful. It, it is fragile. Now. You know, I do a little breadboarding. You know, the little the little uh, little breadboards you can get. It's got all the little holes in it. You know, you can drop a, a chip in or a transistor. You know, I found out you can you can get uh, those things are available in many many places around town. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go with the more expensive one right there. You can get uh, you know, uh, you know, 150, 170 breadboards right here for just a couple bucks, man. Yeah. Now back to the, <laughs> the, the the cobweb antenna. Yeah. Now keeping in mind that MFJ does they have that no matter what warranty, so <laughs> I'm sure that they would ship you a replacement spider if you ask them to. Well, maybe, maybe. And of course, uh, you know, I. I just stuck this on a show tonight to show Jim. He, we, we were, we were talking about something, and it brought up oh, soldering guns. And uh, I don't know if yeah. everybody remembers this, but this was uh, this is a soldering gun that uh, we invented here for the show. Uh, uh, Glenn, Glenn, and I, we put this thing through our research and development department here, and it's for long range soldering. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how you solder your antennas back together at the top of the tower. That's right. You don't need a ladder. You don't need to bring no. them down with that. You know, no, do it from the ground. No, no safety belt. Yeah. That's, well, that's how you solder your plumbing pipes together from the inside. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, Tom, you know, you've done a really good job tearing apart the, uh, the this this dipole. The the oh, gosh, my brain just went. The fan dipole. The, the fan, fan dipole. Yeah. I'd like to see us tear apart the uh, the end fed antennas because I'm actually looking to get one of those. All right. And there's a group down in Orlando that sells a really nice one. And I'd like for you to do what you did here. Dig up a, a Sanford research 
article on, on the NFEDs and Glenn, I have several. I have several forty-nine to one balance that I have uh, built, and they're right here in my closet. I just sent my son down in uh, Texas uh, an NFED, and uh, that he's in kind of a HOA, so he's got small wire, small wire, and he's got the forty-nine to one he's got out there, and he's working DX everywhere with it, man. So why do you want to spend uh, you know eighty nine dollars for an infid when you can make one for almost nothing? Man? Yeah, well, and that's the question. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a good project, and uh, in many cases, it's not really an infid halfway, but has a sometimes they call it a tail or a counterpoise, and that really makes it sort of an off center fit dipole because uh, right. you yeah it's but. Uh, if you do it right and you get it up in the air, getting it up in the air is important. Uh, again, you, it becomes sort of a dipole, and you can work the world with it. Uh, I did that just recently. I, I took some fence wire from uh, from, from uh, Lowe's, and I was on vacation. And uh, I happened to pack in my suitcase just in case I had the chance to use it, a 9-to-1 uh, ballon. And so I cut a random instead of instead of cutting a half wave dipole, I cut a, I cut something that was intentionally didn't match any band. Yep. Um, yep. Random length. It was 84, uh, 84 feet. And I attached it to the nine to one uh, ballon on one side, and the other side I gave it a counterpoise uh, that, that that was forty one feet, which is another wavelength that isn't anything, or it isn't it isn't in a ham band. And then I went ahead and, and tuned it up. Uh, I didn't even have an outdoor tuner. I tuned it up with an indoor tuner at the end of a little bit of LMR 400. And I was working all over the place. Uh, it's, yep. uh, it's easy to do. It, yep. And the, the, the 9 to 1 is what you have to have for random uh, link wire. 49 to 1 for the uh, infed halfway link. Uh, Glenn, here you go. Look at that, man. Uh, there's a Lowe's box. Anton, here's a ground thill. There's a, let's see. Uh, you you hang it right here and you hook the antenna right here, man. And uh, you know you can the you, the the ballon is really easy to wind. I think it's got like 13 turns or something like that. Uh, two yeah. turns primary, uh, 13 turns uh, uh, total. There is uh, there there are some Facebook groups called Infed, and I'm uh, actually one of the admins for Real Infed Antennas. And if you'll just join that group, Real Infed Antennas. There's all kinds of instructions on there how to build a ballon, and if you have any trouble, people will help you and show you, and uh, uh, it's just it's just cool. Now, one of the things I found out about the NFED, and, and it's it's very controversial, I guess you know, uh, is is your uh, shield. Yeah, your 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 counterpose, your shield, your ground, your no ground, the no counterpose, but. The, the 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 coax actually becomes your counterpoise because they both connect to the same place if you put a if you put a counterpoise on there or whatever but the problem is let's say you got to run let's say, let's say you run your coax 100 feet the problem is now you got a 100 foot counterpoise on there which don't really work well with that antenna and what i have looked and talked with a lot of antenna manufacturers and they recommend, and I don't know, I, I don't know why I, I, I need to study this more, but the counterpoise, uh, you know, on, on many of these antennas are like six feet, and that's the that's getting to be the optimal length of a piece of wire. Or what many of them do is on the coax from the point they connect here, from the point they connect to the ballon, 
six feet back on the coax, they put a ballon uh, right there, like a dirty ballon right there at six feet. And what that does, that makes just that six feet of that coax the ballon for, for your in-fed. So a lot of people run uh, a lot of people run uh, you know infed without right. the, without a ballon, that, but your coax kind of helps out there. But yeah. Yeah. if you're lucky, if you're lucky, it's going to work. Chris tells me, my son tells me that, man, you know that, that homebrew infed I sent him, uh, man, every band it's just it's right on and it, it works great without putting anything on there. Yeah, well, Tom, what I did what I did with that antenna I was just talking about the infed was that. Right after the ballon, I went ahead and wound myself an air choke in the yeah. feed line, yeah, so that it didn't become part of the counterpoise, and the, the the wire that I cut to be a counterpoise was was really acting as one. That can help a lot, and of course, if you've got ferrites, you can do an even better job by putting them over the edge, uh, the, yeah. the coax. Mm -hmm. That that wire that uh, sometimes called a counterpoise, uh, again, it really becomes an off-center fed dipole. Um, and the reason for that wire is if you fed it in the middle, the impedance would be what, 30, 35, 40 ohms, up yeah. to 75 ohms, depending on its height above ground. As you slide that feed point down, the impedance goes up, right? So mm -hmm. if you were feeding a theoretical infed halfway, the impedance would be almost infinite. It'd be well over 5,000 ohms. So by adding that counterpoise, you basically have moved the feed point in a bit to right. where it's around. 2,500 ohms or so, and you feed it there. And also, uh, I, I'm a firm believer on ferrite beads choking the coax so that you don't have common mode currents because you're with the way you feed those things, you're you're pushing uh, coax is a three conductor cable, right? Everybody agree with that? Oh yes. you, the yes. The inside of the shield and the outside of the shield might as well be separate conductors. That's right. So the outside of the shield is a combo current. You want to choke that off as best you can. Could be as uh, I did an experiment with um, um, this guy. Uh, well, and this um, you feed it, and you can uh, the center conductor then connects to the outer conductor on the inside of. It. So the wires fork and. The currents, commonwealth currents that you generate, you can see how many beads it takes to choke them. And in my case, every time I got to about eight or ten beads, sorry, I'm going on. That's that was the answer to choke the coax or a, a, a balance of some kind. Another also, little box. I've also been known to do a hybrid choke where what you do is you take your coax, especially if it's thin coax like uh, RG8X, um, you make a loop out of it. And then you use the, in order to hold the loop in place, you put ferrite beads over that. That also works very well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It works very well, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about antennas tonight. It's been fun. Uh, hey, uh, Brett, you know, Brett gave us a, a nice talk here a while back about power over Ethernet. And someone sent me a note what about power over fiber and i i didn't think about that but i looked it up there are actually converters out there and you can do power over fiber are you hmm. got any experience oh, you got any experience oh. with that uh brit 
Well, mil, you can get milliwatts of, of optical power over fiber, but normally what you'll do is if you're running fiber optics, you'll run separate copper conductors beside them just, uh, just because the loss is lower and also because you can pump more power through. Yeah, I would think you'd be limited there, but uh, there's a company out there that you know does a lot of power over uh, power over. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Power over fiber. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it just surprised me. You know, you send a light beam down through there, and you're actually sending power through that light beam. And obviously, they're getting enough at the other end to to power a few things. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, again, it's in the milliwatt range. If you just have a little bit of electronics at the other end, uh, it might work. Uh, my, myself, I, I always run a separate power cable, and it's yeah. nice because you can't mess up the data on the uh, on the fiber. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, it's been a fun night here. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, W5KB113 will show up, and uh, we will know where it is. It's going to be, I think, somewhere over Africa. I'm thinking it's probably going to be over Algeria. That's my guess. And I don't know why we're not getting reports back. Uh, you know, over the years, uh, each transmission would be picked up by hundreds of stations around the world. And now it's that's not happening. You know, and the band conditions are even better now. So I, I, I don't know what's going on. Now, one possibility is with that little antenna, 30 six gauge antenna wire may have blown back and forth enough that it has broken off and we only have a half an antenna and not many people are receiving it but uh hey as long as we can get as long as we can get you know a single report each day that's okay with me because we know it's still flying uh we're we're flying right about the same altitude that it was when we launched it about forty-seven thousand seven hundred feet Hadn't buried hardly any. Uh, we're back in the northern hemisphere. Uh, it looks like we're high enough to go north of most of the uh, most of the storms that. Uh, yeah, you were facing a pretty bad storm front this earlier this week. Yeah, there were some bad you storms out there with with cloud tops. Many of the storms had cloud tops of over forty-seven thousand feet, and we were only flying at forty-seven thousand feet and that's uh, not good uh one drop two drops of water on these balloons will bring them down because uh they have uh, very very light lift and uh, you can't have any icing or, or or condensation on them or they will come down do they ever lose any hydrogen well uh typically as you lose hydrogen you you lose lift and your altitude will start dropping a little bit our altitude has hung in at 47,700 for 430 something days now so i don't think we've lost hardly any to tell you the truth that's amazing you know and uh we're flying with uh, hydrogen so uh that's a plus there uh, we get about 10 percent more altitude with hydrogen plus uh uh, you know, we mentioned this before, and a lot of people have trouble believing this, but uh, the hydrogen will not leak through the membranes of the balloons as fast as helium will. And you think, that's not right. You know, hydrogen is smaller. 
why, why, you know, you can't say that. But what happens is the hydrogen, I guess the hydrogen molecules uh, lump together. H2. They, they, the they lump, they lump together. So you so got the two of them. So it's much tougher for two of those to squeeze through a hole in a balloon than, than I guess, one molecule of uh, helium. So, I don't know. Uh, I did mention uh, earlier that I'm having some batteries made at a Chinese company, uh, Brett. I found a company in China that will guarantee their batteries to to work at uh, minus 40 Celsius. By the uh. way, by the way, that's minus 40 Fahrenheit. Also, uh, the problem is that that uh, most any lipo you buy here uh, might it would probably start outputting before minus 20 and it surely wouldn't charge it won't charge under under 32 degrees fahrenheit it, they just stop charging now this company is doing the batteries for me uh they're telling me that uh it, it will have output from the battery at minus 40 and they're telling me that the charge will go down to minus 20. so uh minus 20 you know, during the daylight, the sunlight up here, we'll have a little heat on it from the sun. We'll, we'll paint the batteries black. I mean, you know, the temperature up here may be minus 30. We don't know exactly what it is. So we're not running a heat, I mean, a, a thermometer sensor on this one. But uh, we'll paint the battery black. It's going to be a little heavy. It's going to be 21 grams. And typically, our entire system weighs 7.8 grams. But it'll still fly. Uh by adding the 21 grams of battery, uh, we should fly at about 41,000 feet. Uh, that's what it's calculated out to be. So, paint it black. It'll get some heat from the sun. Hopefully, it'll be around minus 20. It will charge. We'll pump a charge into it all day. And then at night, uh, it's going to cool off, and it's going to get down to minus 40. And uh, it will... Uh, Hopefully it will discharge there at minus 40 until we run out. And this battery has a capacity of about 1,200 milliamp hours. We're running about, uh, we'll be running about 85 milliamps two minutes out of every 10. And uh, I'm sorry, four minutes out of every 10. And then the other six minutes out of every 10 minutes, we'll be running 25 milliwatt, milli, uh, mil, uh, 25 25 milliamps, yeah, okay. So, you know, higher, higher uh, transmit current. Uh, there were three in series, right? There what? There were three of them in series, right? Well, it, it's a single pack. It's a LiPo. So it's a LiPo. It would be a single pack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be a, it'll be a 3.7 volt battery where you're like your nickel, uh, high, high, uh, what metal hydrates were 1.2 volts each. Uh, so that's, that's good. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, at that rate, 85 milliamps and 25 milliamps each hour. And we're, we've got a 1200 milliamp battery and with it cold, it's not going to do 1200 milliamps. You know, it might be, 
it might be 70% efficient. I don't know. So, you know, you may have. Still, it should be enough to carry things. You may have, you know, 700 milliamp hour capacity. So, I, I don't know. I, we we should be able, hopefully we can run 10 hours, maybe 11 hours during the night. There may be an hour or two. There may be an hour or two that, uh, you know, we just don't have have any uh, current. I don't know. But. Nobody has been able to fly one yet with a battery, uh, and we've been trying for years. We've been looking for years. We've tried batteries for years, and uh, uh, I was lucky to find this place in China, and uh, they've already taken my money. Uh, they're sending me a sample, but uh, the co the shipping cost is 57 bucks, and they said if I want it faster, it costs me a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'll see. And, and I'm a little worried about them. They sent me back a note and said, well, you know, we have to have them tested first, and that's going to be December 20th. So I don't know if they're just dragging me on and putting me on uh, or if they're really going to send them. But um, somebody in China's got my money. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they got all our money, so you're okay. It's just in a different yeah. place. Yeah. So this, uh, if we do this, we will only run the transmitter. We'll, we'll go standard with our, our normal 10 milliwatt transmitter. The one flying right now is, is I built a little amplifier and put on it, and we're running uh, 100 milliwatts with the one right now that's flying. But uh, uh, to conserve battery, uh, we'll, go, we'll go to the 10 milliwatt transmitter. And again, there it is right there. That's what it looks like with the little break off. After you program it, you break off the uh, the little uh, side piece here. All right, guys out there, you've been listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, shortwave, amateur radio. We're glad to have you, uh, especially for listening on WBCQ. Uh, tune us in next week. Uh, you can join us live Tuesday night from 8 till about 9.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, join us live in our video show. You can watch all of our videos on YouTube. Uh, if you uh, if you want to go to YouTube, uh, I think we have somewhere, around, we're got, we've got close to 1,000 videos out there on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on shortwave, uh, tune in Thursday, Thursday evenings from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern on uh, 7490 kilohertz yeah all right so we've got about a minute left till we sign off on short wave here uh, uh, hey look at there uh, Jim stayed with us the whole show man he didn't he didn't leave <laughs> I, I didn't fall asleep <laughs> oh I did <laughs> uh -huh. There's oh, a... good. We got somebody else that can fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. You want, hey, Jim, one night, yeah. one night, uh, uh, Glenn there fell asleep in the show and we cut over to him. And we didn't know, we didn't know if he'd had a heart attack or what. And uh, everybody in the chat room Snoring was worried. Was a dead and we were trying. I said, I said, Glenn, wake up. Glenn, Glenn, wake up. And he said, do we need to call 911? I mean, Oh, it was terrible. I'll, I'll, I've, I've done the same thing. I was with a guy in Europe, and the, and the guy in Europe and England was just scared to death. Because I just went, there's a drug I take that has that effect. It, yeah. uh, yes. 
Yeah, and that's why I stopped uh, stopped driving. Um, we got what a minute left or so. Um, yeah, I went I went for a blood test and uh, in a facility remote from the hospital, and so I, and I was with my walker and uh, I check in, and I go around the corner to the phlebotomist and the phlebotomist says to me, "Sit down." And I said, "No, I'll stand. I want I want to stand up for a while." And she said, "No." sit down i'm calling 911 and she did so we had nurses and uh doctors and fire trucks and an ambulance all came to this facility my wife's parked in the parking lot looking over at all these ambulance things and some poor son of a gun is really sick and then they called her and said it was me so um uh you know some and, and she was right i was in terrible condition um, we didn't get anywhere with blood tests, but, hmm. um, I, I went over to the hospital and guarded condition from there, but it, it uh, falling asleep. Yeah. I've, I've done that too, uh, with the, what I'm, one of the drugs yeah. I'm taking. So it's uh, a side effect. So Jim, uh, it, uh, it, at Sunday school this week, uh, somebody told a story. One of their relatives took some new medicine. And they started yelling, I'm blind, I'm blind, I can't see. Oh, no. And, and the family said, well, open your eyes. <laughs> and they opened their eyes and they could see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Yeah, I'm doing better now that I'm not doing the 5 a.m. wake-up calls. Yeah. So. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Hey, guys, everybody out there in Radio Land and uh, Shorewave Land and uh, Internet Land, good night, 73. I don't know if you're hearing this. Well, you're hearing this because I hadn't cut the video off yet. I've turned the video off now. Glad you're with us tonight, man. Go visit uh, Go go visit uh, Jim's page. Just uh, do a search for W6YG. LG. What did I say, YG? Just Google W6LG and it'll take you. You know, I don't know if you know, there's an appliance, you know, the LG appliance. Life's good. Yep. Life is good. We've got some. Yep. W6LG. I should know that now. Go out to a site. Tom doesn't want to tell you he's got an endorsement deal with YG, so he's got to slip that in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the video off right now. Three. Well, I tell you what, let's play our favorite. Let's play our favorite Glenn clip here. When we turn while well, before we turn our video off. Here, here, here we go. Let's see. Might get a little feedback. Oh no. Here we go. Here we go. One of my favorites. So you're saying I can ask can this ask cat this any cat questions. questions? The cat is connected to the computer. You just type in the question. It will read this You're the man! I've been looking for this for weeks. Yeah, I had some, That's had, had some echo there. Um, I need to... Where I run that video, guys, uh, to get audio out back to my Zoom people, uh, it provide it, it makes a loop back. So I, if I ran that video on a different PC here, I could avoid the, I could avoid the uh, echo. But anyway, hey, we had yeah. a good time tonight, guys. Thanks for.